The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max, SmackDown, Review. And we are live to tape with the Wrestling to the Max SmackDown Live Review here on the W2M Network. Good evening, everybody. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am your host. Unfortunately, due to a family emergency, my traditional co-host, Miss Liz Puglisi, will not be able to join me tonight. So instead, it's a case of deja vu all over again, as for the second week in a row, I'm joined by Brandon Biscabing. And for the second week in a row, I get to torture you two days in a row. Yeah, well, well, we'll talk more about that other torturing a little bit later on when we get to our shows at the end of the show. Plus, I hear you have something else to show now, finally. <laughs> yes, I do. All right, so we'll get to that later on in the show. But for now, let's go ahead and talk SmackDown here. This is the December 26th, 2017 edition of WWE SmackDown, the final SmackDown of the calendar year, but not the final SmackDown event of the calendar year. There is a house show in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on Thursday that I will be attending. I have gratuitous information for everybody listening to next week's review. Hopefully I will, and I may have to join the show when this comes up, but I'm not guaranteed yet, but hopefully I will be going to a SmackDown event at the end of January. Will it be a actual SmackDown live event? No, how show? Ah, okay. Sounds like a plan. All right, what do you say we go ahead and get into tonight's episode of SmackDown Live, however? Let's do it. All right, our opening contest was a promo because, of course, it was a promo because it's always been a promo on SmackDown recently. Apparently, they're turning into Raw on that part. We are in the Upside Down. Yes. Apparently, we're turning into the... uh, We've we've officially joined the multiverse here where SmackDown is Raw and Raw is... Never mind. Daniel Bryan makes his way out and, first of all, opens the show by talking about the Dolph Ziggler situation. And it appears that our th- our thoughts and issues of last week's episode have been confirmed. Dolph Ziggler is apparently done and may or may not return Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10 style. I am the real champion. But for now, Ziggles is gone and the U.S. title is vacant, currently held by abeyance. Man, that guy gets so many title reigns. <laughs> As Brian announces a U.S. title tournament to start tonight as Bobby Roode will take on Baron Corbin. He mentions there's a second match. He doesn't announce the participants. We later on find out that it would be Ty Dillinger, who's back on SmackDown. Good for him. Facing Jinder Mahal. Not so great for him. We'll talk about those two matches when we get to them. At this point, Daniel Bryan is interrupted by, was it? Was it Rusev Day first, or was it, uh... No, 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 it wasn't Rusev Day first. first. It was, uh, it was Gable and Benjamin. Gable and Jason Jordan 2.0, or Jason Jordan the original. Yes. Whatever. America's greatest tag team. But I'm... (laughs) 
I'm going to use that joke until it officially runs its course, which it never will. Anyways, they come out and talk about the fact that they got screwed out of their tag team title opportunity at Clash of Champions, especially since they defeated the tag team champions, the Usos, in a non-title match last week here on the show. They are then interrupted by arguably the most overact on tonight's episode of SmackDown, Rusev Day. <laughs> that dude is so freaking over right now. I don't know how this even happened. It just like suddenly happened and suddenly everyone loved Rusev out of nowhere. It, it, was, okay. it was a Rusev Day out of nowhere. Maybe it was because of the way he was booked against Thornton. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anywho, new IWC darling Rusev and his tag team partner Aiden English come out, and they get into the fray. They are then followed by the New Day with their pancakes. Meh. And this leads exactly where you think it's going to lead. Daniel Bryan making a triple, te- a triple threat <laughs> tag team match player to determine the number one contenders to the Usos' tag team titles. The Usos also come out before we start the match, but they instead join us at commentary after a Royal Rumble commercial, despite the first hour being commercial-free. I was just about to say this. like At least Raw stuck to that, where it was actually truly commercial-free. But no, WWE for SmackDown is like, you know what? Screw you, we're going to put some Royal Rumble commercials into a commercial-free hour. Technically, it was USA commercial-free. The WWE is like, nah, we're good. Nope, we're going to put commercials in anyway. The match itself is fantastic, and a much better execution of this concept of the match than it was at Clash of Champions, in my opinion. Which I still don't get why they're suddenly, like, you know, when it's ever been multi-man tag matches, it's been, you know, two guys in the ring, and then everyone else at ringside, and you can tag in anyone you want, uh, a la WCW. But now they're suddenly doing triple threat where you can or fatal four way where you can only tag in your partner. It's it's just weird how they suddenly change the rules randomly. Uh, the obvious answer to that is because WCW. Yeah, pretty much. The match itself is very entertaining, as I just said. There, I was thoroughly uh, encapsulated in this match. I enjoyed everything that happened from start to finish here. Again, Rusev may be the most overact on SmackDown Live presently, and I'm including the current WWE SmackDown Live champion AJ Styles in that statement. But it is indeed the team of Gable and Benjamin that pick up the win as Big E gets pinned by Chad Gable following the Doomsday Heart Attack. Well, I guess technically you could just call it a a heart attack. (laughs) Top rope variation, I suppose. It's a power bomb with a hooking clothesline. Yep. Either way, your thoughts on Gable and Benjamin being the official number one contenders? I mean, it's not really all that surprising. Um, you know, well, let me first say real quick, I love uh, Chad Gable calling out the fact that it's Boxing Day today. Shout out to all our Eng- English uh, followers and and shout out to our football teams. Glory, glory, Man United. They actually pulled out a draw today. Oh, you guys only got a draw? Liverpool yeah, shut out see 5 nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut it. But, um, yeah, um, the match itself was good. Um, honestly, 
with how over Rusev Day is right now, every time, especially during that double uh, double accolade that Rusev put on both, I think it was Gable and Xavier Woods. Uh, yeah. At that point, I thought one of them was going to tap. I was like, oh my god, now they're going to have them win. But I have a very bad feeling... And everyone else who loves Rusev Day, don't kill me, but I'm just speaking facts here. I have a very bad feeling that Rusev Day is going to be a lot like um, Damian Mizdow and and that whole thing. Where Vince Mm. is going to be like, screw you, this wasn't my idea, you're trying to hijack my show, so therefore I'm not going to give you squats. You'll cheer for who I want you to cheer for, damn it. Exactly. Is that about what you were thinking? Pretty much. Vince McMahon impersonation, copyright pending. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of get the same kind of feeling about Rusev Day here. I kind of feel like the fact that Rusev and Aiden English are getting over as a tight team means they're going to be the next victim of the Bludgeon Brothers sooner rather than later. Yeah, pretty much. Speaking of the Bludgeon Brothers, Segway! They're up next on this episode of Smack. Well, there's the backstage well, segment we should yeah, probably talk about first. Backstage stuff first. This was a very uh, backstage heavy uh, first hour, sem- semi commercial free first hour. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are having a conversation here, and apparently Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are trying to turn into the authority in that they're taking over every single segment. <laughs> Anywho. Shane, Shane even t- talks about his father in this segment. Shane takes issue with the fact that Bryan compared him to Mr. McMahon, but then says that he does have a lot of the same qualities of him. After all, the man is his father. He then questions why Bryan created a U.S. tournament, and Bryan said that he created a tournament because SmackDown was the land of opportunity. He then also questions the match for Owens and Styles tonight, and Bryan's response is that these guys had an awesome rivalry during the summer. Why not give them one more chance to take it out on each other tonight? Shane seems skeptical, especially since Brian did not ban Sami Zayn from ringside. Brian says that they can take care of business on their own, and Sami won't be a factor. Honestly, I, while you know, a lot of people don't like the very authority-heavy storylines that WWE has had in the past. This is one that's a little different, and I kind of like it because each of them had it, it doesn't feel like, you know, either Mr. McMahon against Stone Cold, where, you know, automatically you're automatically going to side with Stone Cold, or the authority against Daniel Bryan, where you know that Daniel Bryan is supposed to be the sympathetic hero. This one. And maybe this is just my own personal bias because I like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and I like Baron Corbin. But, like, this one, it feels to me as though you can kind of choose your side and you're not wrong either way. Where, yes, yes, you know, Shane McMahon is going a little power-hungry and going a little crazy... But at the same time, Daniel Bryan's doing kind of things to say, screw you to 
chain without really thinking about it. So, like, you know, like, with the whole Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens thing, I'm completely on the side of Daniel Bryan. Like, Shane McMahon's going super crazy. But in terms of Baron Corbin, I thought he should have been at least given a first-round bye because he was the champion and Dolph Ziggler basically relinquished the title back to him, in my opinion. But, again, that may just be my bias based off of who I like on SmackDown. Okay, first of all, things are going super cra- crazy. Ay, Dios mijo! Sorry. <laughs> ECW moment. I'm back. Yes, yes. No, I, I understand where you're coming from as far as the Shane and Daniel thing, and I think that's kind of on purpose, though. Yeah. Oh, no, it's definitely on purpose, but I like that aspect where it's not as clear-cut of an authority-type storyline as there has been in the past. See, I kind of feel like I'm getting I'm getting vibes of like uh, Austin Bischoff from these two. Like eventually, it's going to boil down to that where one of them is. I disagree with that because Bischoff was always going to be the douche, and you knew that because it's WWE. Okay, Bischoff was not always the douche. Bischoff had some excellent moments as a fan favorite, in my opinion, on the w- in the WWE. But you, but in the back of your head, you always knew it's Bischoff. He's a WCW guy. He's going to be the asshole at the end. Uh, that's a dollar in the swear jar. <laughs> Anywho, so now back to the Bludgeon Brothers. Segway. First, we get a backstage bit where the Ascension say that they got the Fashion Police a rematch with the Bludgeon Brothers tonight. Happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> Man, I am rocking the old school references tonight, aren't I? Yes, yes you are. It's awesome. All right. <laughs> the match itself sees exactly what you would expect the match itself to see. The Bludgeon Brothers putting another beating on the Fashion Police. Until the Ascension come in and make the save. Kind of, sort of, ish. Until there's another backstage segment afterwards where they issue another challenge to the Bludgeon Brothers on behalf of the Fashion Police. Ah. Uh... Um, you know what vibe I'm getting here? I, I feel like eventually Tyler Breeze is going to turn to one of them and go full on Dave Batista. You're supposed to be my friend. <laughs> I was there for that pay-per-view, by the way. Great moment. Can we please just get the Ascension back to where they were? I, I know this is very, 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 very wishful thinking, but can we please just get the Ascension to back where they were in NXT? Absolutely not. Never going to happen. That's a I know this, but... Sorry. I'm just... I'm letting you know it's a pipe dream. I know this. Stephanie McMahon ass-kissing video package follows. That's a dollar in the swear jar for me. We're moving on because, frankly, I don't have enough time for the amount of crap that Stephanie has put me through doing raw reviews. (laughs) Back ringside, we get a third match inside of the first hour. This one being Ruby Riot versus Naomi. And this is where WWE Distraction Booking 101 kicks into play as Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan get involved on the outside. And this is not a misprint here. Are you ready for this for the women's revolution, Brandon? Sure. 
Ruby Riot pins Naomi at 59 seconds. Yahoo! Go women! <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I guess WWE kind of had to redeem itself from the booking of last week, which Liz and I talked, or you you and I, excuse me, talked I'm about ad nauseum. Uh, well, you'd think so until you get the post-match shenanigans where they continue to lay out Naomi. Okay. They lay out Charlotte when Charlotte tries to make the save. Okay. But then they run like a bunch of chickens from Natalia, Lana, Tamina, and Carmella. Okay. Here's the thing. Four on three numbers disadvantage. I get that there. But one of those four is Lana. So that's kind of like three yeah. and a half. And yeah. Natalia's pretty much said she doesn't care about this situation. So why would she care to run off the Wyatt squad? Well, that's what I don't get about this whole thing between uh, the Riot squad and the welcoming committee. They're both supposed to be heels. So why aren't they teaming up to beat down Naomi and Charlotte? Because you can only be friends with who's in your faction, nobody else. This is the WWE, damn it. So stupidity. Reasons. That's the best <laughs> I got. Renee Young interviews AJ Styles. Styles talks about the main event and, in my opinion, cuts one of his worst promos of 2017. Just me or did it seem like Styles was stumbling over his words quite a bit this evening? Can, can I just make one um, little raw reference real quick? Well, that depends. Are you physically capable of doing so? Yes. Will it lead anywhere? We'll find out. Carry on. I, I, I just wanted to say, with in terms of Renee Young uh, interviews, that whole thing, even though they did not reference it specifically, that whole thing with Samoa Joe last night, him saying that he can spend his time with his family, and Renee Young's face at that moment was just priceless. I wish they would do more with it. Uh, you mean that uh, Dean Ambrose, due to his injury, was able to spend t- more time with his loved ones looking yeah, directly at Renee's As he stared directly at Renee as he said it? Exactly. Yeah, it was kind of dickish. I approve. All right, moving on. Uh, Styles' promo, what did you think? I was actually, I thought it was one of his worst ones of the year. I, I thought he was stumbling over his words, and it was only at the very tail end did he regain his footing. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't his greatest, um, but, I mean, it's the end of 2017. He's kind of looking ahead, so he he got what he needed to get out, but, you know, I agree with you. All right. We come back ringside once again as this SmackDown gets gloriously commercialized. Baron Corbin takes on Bobby Roode, and we do take an actual legitimate commercial excuse me, commercial break for the first time on the show. We also see the aforementioned fan of, I'm turning into an AJ Styles promo tonight. (laughs) We do see the aforementioned favorite of Bisco go down in defeat as Bobby Roode picks up the pinfall victory with a roll-up countering the choke breaker. Go ahead and complain. You know you want to. See, I, I want to complain, but at the same time, I like Bobby Roode, too. So, you know, it, it's one of those situations where, especially with the rumors going into, like, it's so ironic how the rumors going into 
Clash of Champions were, you know, oh, this is a triple threat match so that Dolph can eat the pin and keep both Bobby Roode and Baron Corbin strong. No, it happened quite the opposite. It was happen it it screwed Baron Corbin completely and now Bobby Roode gets a win and now Baron Corbin is once again in limbo where who knows where he's going to go from here. Do you think the brackets remain the same with the matches that are happening tonight being the first semifinal and the matches that happen next week being the second? That's the only thing that I could think of, but then that would just... (sighs) While, as a Baron Corbin fan, I would like to see this happen, as someone who likes consistency, I would absolutely despise it. But I could totally see Baron Corbin like forcing his way into a second chance where like he gets another one of the semifinal spots. Or, or he picks another one of the quarterfinal spots, I mean. He picks up another first round match next week. Well, yeah. the reason I ask about this is because I'm going to kind of skip ahead here just a little bit because of the fact that this is a U.S. title tournament first round match. And I'm going to talk about the fact that there was a second U.S. title tournament first round match tonight as well, which saw Jinder Mahal take down Ty Dillinger with the Coloss. Well, that's the next match anyway. Well, I know. That's why I'm skipping ahead a little bit here because there's a couple of segments in between that we'll get to in a second. Actually, there isn't a segment in between them. Huh, how about that's that? That's <laughs> Well, that works out then. Segway. Mahal takes down Ty Dillinger with the Coloss. First of all, a rebuild win for Mahal coming off of the loss to Styles and then the loss in the tag match. This is my anti-gender coming out, but I was so hoping that this would have been the moment that they would have sent him right back down into jobber obscurity. Yeah, well, Vince likes him, so that's not happening. I know. And and let me just put it out there. and Everyone can disagree with me all they want, but there is a reason why Ty J- Dillinger is being treated the way he is on SmackDown right now. You want to know why? I'm listening. Because the fans forced him to put him in at number 10 at the Royal Rumble. Nah, I... See, I'd like to say Vince isn't that vindictive, but frankly, he probably is, so it's entirely possible. Exactly. I mean, he didn't officially come up to the main roster full-time until after WrestleMania, though, so I don't know if that's necessarily true. It it was still a moment of Vince probably would have loved to have put someone else in that spot, but the fans pretty much forced his hand, so he's like, okay, I'll put him there, but in response, I'm not going to give him squat once he comes up to the main roster. At least he's not Gavin Spears in ECW anymore. He's got that going for him. Yeah. There's a 2007 reference that nobody (laughs) will freaking get. Uh, Bobby Roode and Jinder Mahal, does it intrigue you at all as a semifinal match? (sighs) Only in the bad way. Because I have a bad feeling that that Vince is going to still want to try his damnedest to get Jinder Mahal over. So in spite of everyone thinking, oh, this is a foregone conclusion that Bobby Roode should win this match, that I have a bad feeling that Jinder Mahal will win. Well, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Roode's going to win because I think that Roode's not done with Corbin yet. 
especially after the flukish victory that Rude got tonight, countering the choke breaker into the roll up. True. That that's the only way that that win could make sense on in a longer in a grand scheme of things type of situation where Rude loses to Mahal as a result of maybe some Baron Corbin interference. And that's what causes them to feud uh, heading towards Royal Rumble. Well, not even just Royal Rumble going past that into the Elimination Chamber, perhaps. That's true. That's true. Because let's not forget, SmackDown has Elimination Chamber this year. If I'm not no, excuse true. me, excuse me, Raw has Elimination Chamber this year. No, so yeah. SmackDown has Fastlane, which is the pay per view between the Rumble and the main pay-per-view between the Rumble and WrestleMania, where I could easily see Rude and Corbin having a one-on-one stipulated blow-off match. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that could work. But anywho, your thoughts on the match between Mahal and and, uh, Dillinger himself? Sorry, I'm doing... I mean, it wasn't bad. Um, You know, it it was better than what we've gotten in the past with Mahal matches in terms of, you know, he was at, in spite of the Singh brothers being at ringside, he was doing it himself for the most part. Um, I don't think I remember any Singh brother uh, interference. Now, I don't know if this was, um, I don't know if this was Mahal or Dillinger or who screwed up, but that colossal little, uh, was was a little uh, botchy. I think the word you're looking for is feeble. Yes, feeble would be the right word. It wasn't blown, it just didn't look good. No, not at all. Alright, backstage Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are interviewed. They, give a, they talk about tonight's match later. They talk about the fact that Shane McMahon has been constantly screwing them. It is more or less every Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn interview over the course of the last couple of weeks. We move on. Randy Orton is interviewed backstage as well and talks about needing to deal with his own matters at hand and announcing that he is officially entering the 2018 Royal Rumble. Well, thank you for your support, Randy. We greatly appreciate it. (laughs) Shinsuke Nakamura says that sounds like an interesting idea. Let's rumble. And apparently we have our second entrant to the Royal Rumble. And in my opinion, and I'm going to state this for the record right now, the odds-on favorite to win the 2018 yep. Royal Rumble, Shinsuke Nakamura. Completely agree with you. But I, I know it won't happen right now because, you know, everyone's expecting Shinsuke to win and then go on to beat AJ at Mania for the WWE title. But at a point, if, if those two find themselves... Um, kind of floundering and not doing much of anything. That is one of the few uh, random tag teams that I actually wouldn't mind seeing. It would kind of be an interesting dynamic because they did very well together over the last couple of months. Well, weeks and months. Agree and disagree at the same time. Um, You got to consider who they were programmed with in regards to their success in tag team matches, and at the same time as well, I would much rather see Shinsuke in singles matches rather than being utilized in tag team matches that are frankly going to be irrelevant in six months. Oh, I agree. I agree. But what I'm just saying is, like, if they were to end up, 
you know, with them kind of both floundering, you know, it would be an interesting dynamic. I'm just I'd actually like to see a revisit of the Shinsuke and Randy Orton feud that we kind of got a brief taste of back in the summer months before Shinsuke went on to face the Jinder Mahal at at SummerSlam. I believe there was a singles match between the two of them on SmackDown that was really good. Yes, yes there was. So I'd kind of like to see them go back to that because I feel like Orton's more motivated when he has somebody in the ring that's up to his skill level. Hence why the some people would say the Jinder Mahal matches were such a disaster. But yeah, right, like right. I said, the Shinsuke match from SmackDown between himself and Orton was very entertaining. Yeah, very true. Our main event is AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, as we've mentioned ad nauseum throughout the show. They've kind of teased it and tormented it all throughout. The finish is what we will talk about here because the match itself is what you'd come to expect from a Styles versus Owens match. The finish sees Shane come down to ringside to try to boot Sammy out of ringside. The referee does so and in the process misses a AJ Styles roll up. Styles takes a second to pause to complain to the referee. Kevin Owens rolls up Styles, appears to hook the tights. I'm not sure if he did or not. I did. He probably did. Probably. And scores the three count over the WWE SmackDown Heavyweight Champion. Um, Styles Owens Royal Rumble 2018? I'm not sure about that. Um, Maybe. Maybe, but I think the main thing in terms of this match is is moving forward the idea of what I talked about earlier, which is this whole Shane and Daniel thing doesn't really have a pure face-heel alignment because, you know, Shane, you know, if you think about it on a purely face-heel concept, you know, Shane's supposed to be the face. He's trying to defend his father. He's tr- trying to defend the brand against KO, and that's why he's being so vindictive against him. But here, you know, in his effort to, you know, stop them from doing their dastardly deeds, he screws over one of his top guys. And AJ, I think, is going to start getting a little irritated at that and this may build I mean it's not going to build to another AJ versus Shane match at Mania or anything like that but you know this may be the impetus for you know things starting to devolve within Smackdown not only between AJ and Daniel Bryan but between everyone else where it's like you know where do my loyalties really lie because everyone's starting to fall apart. See, I think it's going to come to a situation where you either side with Shane or you side with Daniel down the road. Oh, I agree with that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, guys who traditionally you would have thought would have sided with Shane, like AJ, over the last couple of months, he did, you know, a couple of weeks ago and everything, he may start getting frustrated at change tactic and side with Daniel instead. Apologies. All right. I think that about wraps it up here, Bisco. Yeah. So scale of one to 10, what would you give tonight's episode of SmackDown? Um, 
I'll give it a six. Um, you know, there were some interesting moments, um, you know, building towards other things, you know, but like you said, a lot of repetition with the whole KO versus AJ thing. And unless the, unless what you said holds out to be true, another very disappointing and unfortunate turn of events with Baron Corbin's, you know, push or lack thereof on SmackDown. I'm going to go just a little bit higher than you are. I'm at a six and a half for tonight's episode of SmackDown. I was entertained by... Harry? You back there? Uh, looks like we might have lost Terry there. Yeah. So you were giving it a rating, I think, or was I? I, the I gave my rating already. He was about to, and then he cut off. So I guess like maybe pause it and wait until he gets back. Let's see what happens with Harry here. Give us just a second. We'll be right back. Apologies, some technical difficulties over here. Spectrum doesn't always cooperate with what I'd like to get done here. I'm going to actually go a little bit higher than you did, Brandon. I'm going to go with a six and a half. And I'm going to say six and a half because I'm going to say that the opening triple threat tag team match was fantastic. Significantly better than the execution of the concept was at Clash of Champions. The main event between Styles and Owens was exactly what you'd expect from a Styles and Owens match. And the two U.S. title matches were good at advancing the points that they needed to advance your bias towards Baron Corbin aside. Yes. I mean, I agree with you on the, uh, on the tag match, especially considering while what I say still, I think holds true. The fact that the fans were so behind Rusev day and, and that double accolade made you think, Hey, maybe they actually will give Rusev day the win here. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see where the the next two uh, semifinals go for the U.S. Uh, tournament. Because who else do you really have that you can stick in those spots? I can make a very bold prediction as to who I think will be one of the okay, people. Okay, so let's do the- this real quick because I'm curious. All right, I'm going to openly admit I saw Larry post about this on the review a little bit as well. But the person to me that I think hasn't appeared yet that, in my opinion, might be the favorite in this U.S. title tournament. Okay. Is Mojo Rawley. That's a good point. Yeah. So you're obviously you're obviously looking at Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder. As far as the other two spots go, I think that could be a hodgepodge of anybody. Uh, Sami Zayn could be an option in order to continue the Daniel Bryan storyline with him giving Sami and Kevin Owens the opportunities that Shane wouldn't. Um, Kofi Kingston would be an opportunity since Kofi's not involved in the New Day stuff right now. The team tonight on SmackDown was Big E and Xavier. I feel like there are ways to go with this, though, that uh, could be very entertaining and very interesting if they decide to do them. 
I think what would be kind of interesting to kind of mesh two storylines into one is to have, uh, you know, either Mojo or against Sammy and then uh, Zack Ryder against KL or vice versa. Well, I don't think Kevin's going to be involved in the U.S. tournament because of his win over Styles tonight. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I think Mojo and Zach is a first-round match next week on SmackDown. It's pretty much a guarantee. Mm. To me, I think the question would be is who would Sammy face because there's not a whole lot of defined baby faces on the SmackDown roster that aren't involved in the tag division or elsewise. The main person that I could think of that would fit that bill is somebody like a Randy, somebody like a Kofi, like I said earlier, somebody like a Shinsuke. You could maybe toss Shinsuke in there and and uh, and have KO interfere, which would you know lead to that whole rumor about you know about uh, KO and Shinsuke being involved in some sort of world title feud. So, I mean, there's obviously ways to go with this here. And the entertaining thing about SmackDown is that SmackDown has less of less time to fill. So what you do get to see on television tends to capture your attention more than what happens on any given Monday night, in my opinion. And also, while they have fewer guys, it seems like their roster is much deeper in terms of guys that you can take as legitimate threats. Developed characters. I absolutely yeah. agree with that. I mean, for every... For every Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel on Sm- on Raw right now, there isn't really somebody at that low level of the SmackDown totem. I mean, the only person that I could have even thought of that was even close to that level, well, who was more of on a Kurt Hawkins type, le- type level on Raw back before the shakeup, was world champion for, you know, four months. Yeah, funny how that worked out. Hey, Brandon. Yes? In case people haven't gotten their fill of us tonight, you know they can listen to us tomorrow as well? Yes, yes, they can. They can listen to us on the kickoff when we talk about week 16 and getting ready for the final week of the NFL season and doing our bowl, our New Year's Six Bowl predictions and college football playoff predictions. Absolutely. That'll be on episode 17 of the kickoff tomorrow night here on the W2M Network. Uh, If you haven't had enough of Brandon and myself tonight, you can also listen to the 205 Live review coming at you shortly. Brandon, for your first time here in your W2M career, you actually have something additional to plug, so I'll go ahead and let you do so now. Yeah, nothing, anything specific yet, but... um, uh, one of our newer members of the W2M network, Jason, and I are going to start doing a fantasy football podcast. Um, we're going to start with a we're thinking about doing a, a Super Bowl roundtable after the Super Bowl. Uh, no name yet. Still in the early developments of it. So but be on the lookout for that. I feel like this is going to end up fantasy football to the max because Sean likes Probably. <laughs> I'm kidding, Sean. Don't cut my mic. <laughs> so, for our executive producer, Sean Garmer, 
my co-host for the evening, Brandon Bisco-Bing, and the not-with-us-but-our-thoughts-are-with-her, Liz Puglisi. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the Wrestling to the Max SmackDown Live review here on the W2M Network, available online at www.w2mnet.com. Catch you guys for 205 Live here in a few moments. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.